Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And so is YMCA, Donald Trump's triumphant return to the stage. Hey, I like doing that. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for being here. I'm David Brody. It's Monday, March 1st, 2021. And today there can be no doubt. It is indeed the kingmaker of the Republican Party. What's his name? Everybody say it. Trump. It's Trump. His speech at CPAC was excellent. Clocking in at about an hour and a half or so, what we saw on display was classic Trump. Blunt funny, trashing Democrats, yes, trashing Republicans alike, and also talking about the 2020 election. We have in-depth coverage throughout the hour. And how about Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom? (laughs) Thank you, graphics department. I believe it's safe to say that they are both in the proverbial doghouse. How about that graphic? Newsom, all sorts of problems on the COVID front and is looking at a recall by voters. And Cuomo, uh, well, so much for the so-called COVID hero that the left wanted him portrayed as. Instead, he has mounting sexual harassment allegations, a Democratic Party in New York that's not happy with him. And oh, did I mention, I'm sorry, did I bury the lead? The nursing home deaths. I don't think I buried the lead. There's a lot going on there. Plus, free speech today in America. Where is it gone? Look at this guy. This is what conservatives look like every day. When it comes to places like Twitter, Facebook, etc., Alan Dershowitz here to discuss later on today. But first, we've got to start with the Trump CPAC speech and the day after. Here's what we know. First of all, he's not starting a third party. Smart idea, by the way. He strongly hinted at a return to a glorious presidential run in 2024. But let's be honest. We all know that unless election laws are changed between now and then, 2020 is surely doomed to repeat itself. He laid out a plan on election integrity. He says it starts with the states getting their act together. They use COVID as a way of cheating. That's what happened. And everybody knows it. Hundreds of thousands and millions of ballots. They used it as a way of getting what they've wanted for many years. And the Republicans have to do something about it. They better do something about it. Our election process is worse than that in many cases, of a third-world country. You know that. You saw what was going on. Even if you consider nothing else, it is undeniable that election rules were illegally changed at the last minute in almost every swing state with the procedures rewritten by local politicians. You're not allowed to do that. And local judges. They want more time. They want this. They want that. All done by local politicians or local judges as opposed to state legislatures as required by the Constitution of the United States. He's 100% right. Look it up in the Constitution. All right, so much to dissect and unpack from President Trump's CPAC speech yesterday. I want to bring in Corey Lewandowski, a senior advisor to Donald Trump, very close friend, of course. Corey, great to see you, sir. Thank you for having me back, David. Corey, look, there was so much in that speech yesterday in Orlando. So what stood out to you specifically? Well, very specifically, this president was doing exactly what he did on the campaign trail for really the last almost six years, David. He called out the hypocrisy of the left. 
He reminded people of the successes that he had during his administration. The fact is that the reason Joe Biden's administration has a COVID vaccine is because of Operation Warp Speed, not because of anything Joe Biden did. The president reminded the American people that on his last day in office, 1.35 million doses of the vaccine were distributed. Joe Biden said his goal is to get to a million a day. We had already exceeded that. And in addition to that, the president talked about both open borders, which have plagued our country for decades, and what this president now, Biden, is doing to cozy up to Russia and the Chinese. Uh, very different ideals than the America First ideal that President Trump governed by. Corey, I've got to ask you, one of the things that I noticed, obviously, at the end of the speech, he talked about a return, possible, a Republican return to the presidency in 2024. We all know he was talking about himself. But here's the thing. Before we even get to 2024, my sense of it is, is that Republicans better do well in 2022 uh, for Donald Trump to even be thinking about 2024. Is that your sense as well? Well, you bet it is. And look, the president yesterday called out some of those uh, all of the Republicans, actually, who voted in the House side to impeach him, those 10 House districts, he called them out by name. He endorsed Max Miller in Ohio's 16th congressional district against Congressman, incumbent Congressman Anthony Gonzalez. Uh, look, then he also talked about some of these members of the United States Senate and where he wants to be. We, it, This president is unshy and unabashed at calling out the people who he feels have attacked him. And it's not just the Democrats. And when you look at, he said, I think, Ben Sass, and and he went through all the senators who voted for his impeachment, Rip, Mitt Romney. And, uh, you know, it, it's amazing the reaction of the crowd during that environment, because it's true. Those people need to be held account for their votes. You know, one person he didn't name specifically, he did talk about Mitch McConnell, but he, <laughs> Corey, he didn't put him on that list. And you know, come on, straight up, Corey, you know it pained him not to, he wanted to put him on that list, but he didn't do it. And I thought that, I mean, I thought that was a pretty good move, actually. Maybe maybe don't put him on the list quite yet, but he, he might get on that list. Well, look, look, the president's very clear. He wants the same objective to be achieved as Mitch McConnell does, which right. is to return Republicans to the majority. Now, we have a different way about going about that. We have different ideas of who should or shouldn't be in the U.S. Senate, and the same is true in the House of Representatives. We believe, like Kevin McCarthy does, that a Republican majority is better than a Nancy Pelosi speakership. That being said, this president's going to absolutely be engaged in the 2022 election process in the primaries for candidates who, who support the Make America Great Again agenda, who support the America First agenda, who have supported Donald Trump. And if those candidates differ than what Mitch McConnell thinks is, quote, electability, then we'll have a showdown in the state and we'll see whose, whose endorsement matters more. Corey, I want to play you something from the president yesterday, specifically about election reform. I thought it was a really good idea that he put out his election uh, integrity plan, if you will. I mean, I thought that was meaty and something he needed to do. And he, here's a little bit of, uh, of the concern that he's got. Ha have a listen. We must pass comprehensive election reforms, and we must do it now. The Democrats used the China virus as an excuse to change all of the election rules without the approval of their state legislatures, making it, therefore, illegal. It had a massive impact on the election with other countries and with the world. We need election integrity and election reform immediately. Republicans should be the party of honest elections that can give everyone confidence in the future of our country. Without honest elections, who has confidence? Who has confidence? This issue is being studied and examined 
But the reality is you cannot have a situation where ballots are indiscriminately pouring in from all over the country, tens of millions of electoral process that must be fixed immediately. This election was rigged, and the Supreme Court and other courts didn't want to do anything about it. Corey, Donald Trump is not a sucker. He's not going to he's not going to run again in 2024 if nothing gets changed at the state level. I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster again because Democrats are, are are doing some stuff there at the state level. It is, and what the president articulated was 100 percent correct. That it's the state legislature that sets the laws in the state, not the state supreme courts. Now, what happened in the last election? was the state Supreme Court's ruled because of the world of COVID that people could bypass what the current laws were. That if you were a first time voter in the state of Pennsylvania, you didn't have to produce identification, which is what the law states, that you didn't have to actually vote on election day. And what the president said, hey, let's have one election day, unless you have a reason that you can't be there. And some states have done a very good job in the early voting in the absentee ballot voting process, particularly the state of Florida. But that being said, the president was not incorrect when he said that states use the COVID virus pandemic to bypass the rules and allow people to vote who probably weren't legally allowed to do so. And now comes H.R. 1. We know about it, right? Pelosi's bill in the House. I mean, it's, it's not called H.R. 1 for no reason at all. It's H.R. 1. This is their, this is their goal, right? I mean, to change election, exactly elections right. in this country. Go ahead, Corey. Their goal is very simple, David. Allow every person to to vote from home with no authentication, no no proving who you are. Look, what the president said was, let's have voter ID, let's have national voter ID. You know, the left portrays that as a racist issue, but he went on to show yesterday in a series of tweets that you need to show a voter identification, a, a state issued identification to go to the Democratic National Convention. Why is it you don't have to do it to vote? And look. Amazon, one of the biggest purveyors of bad news in this country, refuses to allow their members to vote in the unionization election by absentee ballot or by mail-in ballot because they say it's ripe for fraud. They're making the people show up every day. If, if Amazon won't allow people to determine if they want to join a union by mail, how can we be determining the president of the United States by mail with no, with no authority to authenticate who these people are? Corey, before we let you go, you know this president well. Uh, you've seen him, obviously, quite a few times uh, since Election Day, and you, you speak with him, I'm sure, often. Uh, give us a sense. I think our, our viewers want to know not only how he's doing. We saw some of that at CPAC. Uh, but give us a little behind the scenes. I mean, what, what, where, what's his mindset at? Where, where is he at? Not just politically, but just how, how is he specifically doing? Because, uh, you know, 2020 ended roughly, especially with the January 6th stuff and all that. It, it did. Look, I had the opportunity, David, to spend time with him Thursday down in Florida at Mar-a-Lago uh, before he went up. I got to preview the CPAC speech. We got to talk about what he wants to be doing in the 2022 election cycle. We talked about some of his plans for 2024. But the one thing I can tell you is I sat in his new office. Uh, he was rested. He looked good. He was more uh, reserved. And, you know, and, and I probably shouldn't admit this on TV, but he said, hey, maybe being off Twitter has been a great thing for him, right? He doesn't <laughs> have to respond to every single controversy the world has every second of the day. So what probably Twitter thought was going to be a giant detriment by not allowing him to talk to the 80 plus million people he could communicate with every day might just turn out to be the greatest positive because now the president can just put out a press statement once a day on issues that matter and doesn't have to weigh in on every single issue. And maybe, just maybe, yep. some of the people like that better. Corey Lewandowski, uh, good, good stuff. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for, thanks for being here, Corey. My pleasure. Thank you.
Great. And I'm all about uh, Twitter detoxing, by the way, let me just say. I mean, look, I mean, it, I don't know what's better. An oatmeal bath, a Calgon bath, or just being away from Twitter for like 24 hours. I'm going with Twitter. So I got to tell you, Calgon baths are pretty nice. I'm getting up there in age. Back in a moment with ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. We're talking about CPAC the day after Donald Trump. He's the kingmaker, yada, yada, yada. Now, what if Donald Trump, though, was not the nominee in 2024? Who would you want to see? Well, guess what? Before I say these words, let me just say this is the biggest 1975 cheesy music you'll ever hear on television. But here we go. It's the poll of the day. The Water Cooler poll of the day. And who is that guy? I still haven't found out. All right, here's the poll, folks. Uh, Other than former President Trump, which of these Republicans would you most trust, trust to run for president? Well, this is interesting. Look at this. Ron DeSantis. Oh, hello. 21%. 18% say Ted Cruz. That is all America. That's not Cancun voting. It's just, just America. Uh, 10% Nikki Haley. 9% Mike Pompeo. <laughs> 8% Tucker Carlson. What? Uh, don't get me started. 4% Christy Nome. Watch out for Christy Nome, by the way. Uh, 4% Tom Cotton, 2% Josh Hawley, 2% Greg Abbott. That's interesting. 2% <laughs> Devin Nunez. All right. And 21% say, look, somebody else, because I don't know about any of these other folks. All right. Uh, well, that's interesting. Let's bring in uh, Rick Klein, uh, who's been a fan of the show. I say fan of the show. I don't know if he's a fan of the show, but he's on the show. Uh, ABC News political director. Rick, <laughs> good to see you. Fan of David Brody. How's that work? Good to okay, see you, that sounds good. And by the way, that is on the record. And Madison, if we can save that clip for my, <laughs> uh, my clip reel later on. All right. Uh, so let's uh, talk a little bit, uh, Rick, about I, want, I, do, I am curious about that poll in a moment. But uh, what do you make of, of Trump's speech uh, yesterday at CPAC? There was quite a bit in there for sure. Yeah, look, I think it's an interesting first step in the water for him in the post-presidency. And I think you saw him continue to talk about uh, the election, uh, wrongly asserting that he won or suggesting that he he won. That's become, uh, I think, a mantra of that crowd, certainly, and that segment of the party. Uh, And I think, you know, David, uh, I've been covering a lot of people and talking about uh, the disagreements, the discord, maybe even the civil war in the Republican Party. There was no civil war this weekend at CPAC. And this was a friendly crowd for President Trump. Uh, He knew it. Uh, It was a Trump-friendly crowd, uh, and it represents what is still, by all accounts, the majority opinion in the Republican Party, which is that Donald Trump uh, should have a major role in the party going forward. It doesn't necessarily make it the majority opinion in the country at large, but in terms of the Republican movement, the conservative movement, uh, this was a big old display of, of Trumpism and, and, its, and its various strengths. And I also thought notable, uh, David, that he ruled out the possibility of a third party. I know for a fact that that was actively being discussed uh, by Trump forces after the election. Uh, for now, at least, he's saying 
Uh, there's no need for that because the Republican Party, in his view, is still his. Yeah, this is a smart move by him to, to get that out of the way, uh, for sure. You mentioned a friendly crowd and unity. You're absolutely right. The question is, can a friendly crowd and unity in that, in that segment of the base win a national election, which uh, I think is more of a rhetorical question. I mean, they're going to need a lot more folks than that. Uh, but, but, Rick, I want to play a little bit of what Trump said at the end when he kind of, it wasn't even a hint to 2024. I mean, he kind of was saying he's going to, but anyhow, t take a take Take a listen. With your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate. And then a Republican president will make a triumphant return to the White House. And I wonder who that will be. I wonder who that will be. Who, who, who will that be, I wonder? Like, like he had to milk it for the, the, the third who, who, who. Uh, Rick, what did you make of that? Because clearly, uh, you know, we know a return to the White House means I had to be there previously, number one. But, but number two, what I thought was interesting is I'm not sure if this is a done deal as it relates to 2024. First of all, we know two years as an attorney in politics. But beyond that, you better do well as kingmaker in 2022 before you think about 2024. Yeah, and he's going to be on the line with his plan, uh, as announced at CPAC, to, to, to try to defeat Republicans who uh, oppose him or opposed him or supported impeachment. And frankly, I'm, I'm not convinced that he's going to run in 2024. And I do think he's going to get a lot of mileage out of the tease around it. Uh, a lot of politicians, he wouldn't be the first uh, to, to figure out that the anticipation carries some weight. And at the moment that you rule yourself out for national political office, uh, fewer people are listening to what you have to say. I do think the muscle that he shows and is able to demonstrate in 2022 in the primaries as much as the general election. In the primaries is where he's putting himself on the line and saying, we have to defeat these folks. Uh, and he's got a target list. We know who they are. Um, more House members and senators that are actually in play among the, the pro-impeachment forces in the Republican Party in 22. Uh, that's where he'd have to prove himself. Uh, and if the, if the Republicans are able to win back uh, a majority and, and credit President Trump, that changes some of the political equations. Um, as some of his critics, even inside the Republican Party, would point out, he lost the presidency uh, and Republicans lost both the House and the Senate under his leadership. So he's going to have to put some points on the board, some wins on the board, I think, to demonstrate that again. But uh, I, yeah. I do think to the, to the, to the broader point, uh, he's, the biggest, he's the biggest creature in that party by far for a long time uh, until someone takes him off of that pedestal. Uh, and, and, you know, I think he's going to be trying to put himself back in that conversation with every 2022 step. Yeah. One last uh, topic before we let you go. Uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, some tough sledding out there, a recall petition. Looks like it's going to get enough signatures. We've got uh, Andrew Cuomo. It seems like it's getting worse by the by the day. Uh, what's your take on, on both those situations and who's got the harder uh, or the heavier lift or, or I should say the harder, harder road here, if you will? Yeah, it's interesting because Governor Newsom really can't stop a recall election from going forward. But he does have the united support of his party behind him. This, of course, stems to his actions uh, during COVID, during the lockdown, a famous uh, fancy meal that he did during, during the lockdown restrictions that's gathered a lot of enthusiasm on the Republican side. But the parties remain loyal to him, not so for Governor Cuomo. It's a different situation, uh, even though he doesn't face voters again, if he chooses to, until next year. He's going to have a hard time weathering this. And in a lot of the, the old quotes that Democrats uttered back in the Kavanaugh days about the need to, uh, to, to believe accusers and have full and honest accountings, uh, those are difficult things to get away from. And you're seeing an erosion in his support inside his own party. The question about uh, whether he intends to ride it out, um, does he rule out 
running for an additional term. This is going to be a tough period for him, and he has a lot fewer friends in the Democratic Party than you might have thought. Well, and so your suggestion is possibly the drumbeat gets louder and louder here for Cuomo? Yeah, I mean, look, we'll have to see what the investigation does. And as with always with these stories, um, if this is the last of the accusations we hear around uh, around harassment, that that changes it. It's when you know there's additional revelations, new information uh, that, that comes forward. We had that second accuser coming forward over the weekend. If there's more than that, that's obviously bad. And whatever this investigation, which is not going to be controlled by him, it'll be controlled by New York's attorney general, ends up finding. Rick Klein, always great to see you, sir. Thanks for the insight. You're great. Really appreciate it. Thanks, David. Appreciate right. it, man. That's uh, Rick Klein, who I've known for very long time. I'm not going to say how many years. You can Google it. No, you can't Google it. How can you Google something like that? Anyhow, Rick Klein, we, we appreciate him. Uh, look, straight shooter, uh, and, and that's why we like him. All right, when we come back, Alan Dershowitz on the program. No, he's not dissecting salami from Cat's Delicatessen. Look it up. We've had him on the show doing that before. Instead, it's about free speech. <laughs> back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Everybody, uh, free speech under attack. You know, free speech. Let me think about. It. Let me think that through. Free speech, which means speech should be free, right? Yeah. If you're a conservative in America, especially today with big tech, good luck with uh, the free speech situation. Let's bring in Alan Dershowitz, Harvard professor, uh, criminal lawyer, and so much more, and also a host of the Dersh Show, a podcast you can get everywhere. Podcasts are not sold; it's free, right? Alan, it's Alan Dershowitz. It's free, right? Absolutely free. You just have to tell your friends about it, and you have to call in and make a, a smart comment or ask a good question. But other than that, it's free. Okay. I, I would expect nothing less on a podcast of yours. To make, you better make a smart comment, for sure. Uh, oh, it's the Durst Show. The only thing it's missing is the wits, and the wits is provided by the listeners and the viewers. So. Oh, that is cool. Alan, very clever. Never even kind of put it together. All right, now I did. Um, free speech. Uh, there was a House hearing the other day. It was a subcommittee hearing. It was all about conservative media and how, well, I guess conservative media apparently is a danger to society or at least a danger to big tech and liberals. What, what did you make of that and what should we take from it? What, what's happening here, Alan? It was the scariest congressional hearing that I remember since the House on American Activities Committee back in the early 1950s, you had two members of Congress who were basically threatening cable providers and satellite providers, asking them questions that weren't questions. Essentially, how dare you continue to run Fox and Newsmax? And if you do, you have to explain and justify why you're doing it. It's just like the letters the House on American Activities Committee used to send to Hollywood studios and to TV stations. How dare you have on your uh, program, somebody who once may have gone to a meeting of the Communist Party back in the 1930s. It's the same kind of thing. It's a new McCarthyism, and uh, Americans should simply not tolerate it. Remember, there are two rights involved. Free speech has two rights. The right of Fox or Newsmax to broadcast, that's one right. But the even more important right is your right to listen, my right to listen. 
my right to change the channels. If I don't like what I hear on Fox, I change the Newsmax. If I don't like what I hear on Newsmax, I'll go to CNN. I generally don't like what I hear on CNN, so <laughs> I can go to PBS. But I'm entitled to switch the channels. That's my right. That's implicit in the right of free speech of Fox and and Newsmax. So it's not only their rights, it's our rights as well. Uh, Alan, how did we get here? What What is, from a nefarious standpoint, what in the world is going on? No one's learning the lessons of the past at all. Well, I think that people on the hard left think they know the truth. And if you know the truth, what do you need dissent? What do you need to process? Right. Um, you know, if somebody is accused, he must be guilty. If somebody has a view that's politically incorrect, it must be wrong. Why do we need free speech? Why do we need diversity of ideas? We need diversity of race. That's very important. Look at the Golden Globes last night. Everybody complained about the lack of diversity. All they were talking about was racial diversity. There was no ideological diversity. It was like the event was sponsored by the AOC wing of the Democratic Party. Everybody in their acceptance speeches was making kind of radical lefty speeches. I agreed with some of them because I'm a liberal. <laughs> right. I'm thrilled that they gave an award to, you know, Jane Fonda. But imagine them giving an award to, to John Voigt. Uh, they would never do that. And so, you know, we see free speech constrained all over the place in different ways and diversity of opinion not valued. Alan, I want to play something that the president said, or the former president said, President Trump at CPAC yesterday about big tech companies. I want to get your reaction on the other side in terms of what can be done against these big tech companies. Here's what he said. The time has come to break up big tech monopolies and restore fair competition. Republicans, conservatives must open up our platforms and repeal Section 230 liability protections. And if the federal government refuses to act, then every state in the union where we have the votes, which is a lot of them, big tech giants like Twitter, Google, and Facebook should be punished with major sanctions whenever they silence conservative voices. So, Alan, what's the list here? How, how, how can big tech be reined in at this point? Well, first of all, 230 should be amended. It shouldn't be available to um, high-tech companies that censor. It should only be available to platforms like Rumble that don't censor. You should have a choice. If you want to not censor, you get 230 protection. If you want to pick and choose, then you're just like your station, Newsmax, the New York Times, you can be sued for defamation. As far as the states are concerned, I don't think that will work. Uh, we're talking about a national and international uh, media. I think it has to be done more through the federal government. There are antitrust cases pending in some state courts and in federal courts. But I think, look, we have to have great debates about the role of giant tech. They today influence the news more than newspapers and, and television. So many young people get their news off the very, very biased high-tech platforms. And so something has to be done about it, but it has to be done consistent with the First Amendment itself. We don't want to begin to censor big tech.
Alex, <laughs> would you say that this is the, the number one issue out there in terms of a danger to the fabric of this country as it relates to whether it be free speech or cancel culture or all that wrapped into one? I think the greatest threat we face is our divisiveness. Today, we're not talking to each other. We have media that's right, media that's left. We don't talk to each other. Um, yesterday, I watched two things on TV. I watched the president's speech. He was speaking to one half of the country. Then I watched the Golden Globes. They were speaking to another half of the country, but nobody's speaking to each other. And I think the way to bring us together is to make sure that big tech and others don't censor that we have the right to hear all points of view and then pick and choose among those points of view. And I think that most Americans will move toward the center when we hear all points of view. We're not an extremist country. We're not extreme right, we're not extreme left. It's that we're getting the news from the right and the left. But if we would get a fair presentation, I think it would move the country more to the center. Alan Dershowitz, always great to hear your analysis. We really appreciate you. You're a treasure in America. I appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And for your by time the way, work. let me also say, I believe it's happy 82nd and a half birthday. Am I correct on that? That's right. Today's my half birthday, and I'm going to have a half a bottle of champagne. What about hard salami? I hope you get some hard salami. Uh, that you know, champagne and hard salami, no better combination. <laughs> Alan Dershowitz, thank you, sir. I appreciate thank it. Uh, we love them. And by the way, speaking of uh, diversity and speaking of inclusiveness and speaking of div divisiveness, you know who we have on the show? Alan Dershowitz, Corey Lewandowski on the right. We've got Renato uh, Mariotto, Mariotti coming up next. So who's on the left? We got a lot of people back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Everybody. We've been talking a lot about Donald Trump and CPAC and the day after, and uh, there's been a lot of talk about 2024 and will he run, won't he run? He's a kingmaker. What is he exactly? <laughs> well, there's a few words for him, I'm sure, on both sides of the spectrum, uh, for sure. Uh, but, but here's an interesting question. Uh, everybody talks about Donald Trump potentially running in 2024. But, oh, by the way, there are a couple of years before we get there, and there's something called Trump and the, then the word taxes uh, that, that may potentially derail all of this. Uh, there's, there's that story out there, and we've seen it at uh, Just the News and many other places right there. Supreme Court is not going to stop or has not stopped a New York prosecutor from obtaining former President Trump's tax returns, which means it's on. And the sifting begins. And I want to bring in Renato Mariotti, a former federal prosecutor. Uh, Renato, great to have you on the show, sir. Happy to be here. Well, tell us, take us through this a little bit. What, uh, what are they looking for in New York specifically? And what's the concern or what should be the concern potentially for Donald Trump at this point? Sure. So it looks like they're trying to make a felony tax case against the former president. Uh, and that and that's uh, that's serious business. Uh, they've been at it for a while. They went all the way, as you noted, up to the Supreme Court. Suggests to me that they're putting a lot of resources into this. And I know they hired a forensic accounting firm. So definitely they're they're serious about it. There's a number of lesser types of charges that they could also bring. But I think that they're trying to make 
a case against him personally. Is there any sense of why that might be the case? Like, are they looking, do they, do they have suspicions on certain uh, issues as it relates to his tax returns? Because they're getting the, a real serious glimpse for the first time here. Yeah, I will say that one of the things that has been reported by some outlets is that they're focused on uh, consulting fees, for example, that his daughter Ivanka Trump received in connection with uh, real estate transactions. If those were not actually consulting fees, if she wasn't actually doing work, that would be a problem. That would be potentially a false statement on the tax returns. I will say that really, from my perspective, as somebody who used to investigate tax crimes and now is on the other side, uh, often defending state and federal tax cases, you know, this seems to me almost like a beginning of the case rather than the end. As you point out, uh, they're just now getting these returns and supposedly uh, what we've heard reported is millions of pages of financial records. That's going to take a lot of work for them to go through. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of leads me to the timetable on all of this. I, I mean, I know statute of limitations gets a little dicey, or not dicey, but it's different in each state. And uh, I know there's legislation out there in certain states. And even I know there once there's there's some folks pushing for federal legislation as it relates to statute of limitations. But in New York, my understanding, if I got this right, it's six years or, or something along those lines. So so then what happens at this point? I mean, you, you had a year and a half. Uh, this this went on for a year and a half at this at this in the courts. So time is ticking here, right? Yeah, I think that's right, David. I think it's an excellent point. And it's a point that's been made by the Manhattan DA's office uh, in their pleadings. They said, please, courts, get us these records because every day that we wait is a day the statute of limitations is ticking. So it is an issue for them. There are ways that prosecutors can, uh, I wouldn't say they extend statute of limitations, but they can get around them in a sense because, for example, they can allege a conspiracy or a scheme that extends into the present day or extends into the last six years, even if, for example, the tax returns were filed, some of the tax returns were filed much earlier. But that, that requires, that can be difficult to prove, that requires affirmative acts that were done within the last six years. And I think it is safe to say that as time is ticking, that they run out of options. And so there's a real race, I think, that prosecutors are under here to digest a lot of documents very quickly and to try to you know, get something to the finish line that would otherwise ordinarily take many years. Do we have any idea about, since he was a sitting president for four years, if that time counts or, uh, you know, like, how does that, how does that work? Isn't there some controversy as to whether or not uh, that time should count or shouldn't count? And there's some debate about that. Yeah, there's definitely some, I would say, some of uh, President Trump's critics, people, progressives, who have argued that the statute of limitations should be uh, told. But I will say I don't see any case law on that point. I think it's, it, my guess, my best guess would be, and this is purely a guess because it's never been considered by a court before, I uh, would be that courts would say that in, since there hasn't been any notice to the former president that there would be a tolling or a pause of those statute of limitations, that they would not be paused during his presidency. So I think that's a viable argument. They, are, they could try to make an argument that he his delay Cause, you know, you know, should be a cause for tolling. But I think it's an uphill battle for a prosecutor. So, you know, that is one of many aspects. And I think there's a number of them in which his team is going to have uh, some arguments to make in the months and years to come. Renato, let me ask you a little bit about criminal intent or trying to prove criminal intent, because it seems to be there's a big difference, right, between kind of having the records, the tax records that might show something specifically, but 
emails and notes and other things like Alan Weisselberg, right? Uh, his attorney, I mean, he's got some information. Uh, some other folks do. I mean, wouldn't it be important to have some of the corroborating evidence like emails and notes to, to go to the criminal intent aspect of this? Yeah, that's a great question. So usually, not always, but most tax crimes require actually a very high uh, state of mind with something called willfulness, which requires you to know that you're violent, you know, you, that you're trying to violate the law or the rules in some way. Uh, that's not usually how our law works, but you know, because the tax laws are so complicated, um, the uh, court system, you know, and our, and our, our criminal law system tries to make it so people aren't criminalized for a mistake. And what that means is a lot of defendants have the, the, a good defense that they can raise, which is, hey, I just did what my accountants told me. I just did what the, my subordinates or people who work for me told me to do, my finance people. And so it's really, I think it requires uh, often to kind of get uh, over that hurdle. It's going to require um, some testimony either from people close to the former president or people who, for example, were... Um, you know, we're, um, you know, at his accounting firm, we can say, well, we asked him for this information and he said something different to us or provided different information to us than mm -hmm. the truth actually was or that he said elsewhere. Got it. And as we wrap up here, uh, Renato, uh, not to play the Las Vegas betting game, the betting odds here, but where, where, where do you think this goes? I mean, is this a 50-50 thing? Is, uh, where, where, what's your sense of, of what ultimately happens here? Or how hard is it to say, too? Well, I would, be, I would be very surprised if the Manhattan DA doesn't bring a case because they hired consultants that I've hired in the past and are very expensive. I don't think they're spending hundreds of thousands, probably millions of dollars uh, on consultants unless they're kind of all in on the case. But in terms of winning, I think that's they're really all bets are off there. You have a, ju a jury pool. And yeah. hey, even in Manhattan, a lot of people voted for Donald Trump. <laughs> That's true, especially in Staten Island, by the way. <laughs> All right. Uh, Renato Mariotto, for former federal prosecutor. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for being here. Thank you. All right. Uh, good insight. Really good insight. We hope to get Renato back on the show sometime soon. How about this show? Corey Lewandowski, Renato Mariano, Alan Dershowitz. Now all we need is my mother. Where is she? I think she's in Santa Fe, New Mexico, by the way, but that's a whole other issue, whole other segment. I'm on a psychological couch about it. Back in a moment. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time for serious. The last sip. It's not that serious. No, it's very serious. What am I talking about? Of course it's serious. Uh, female sports. So this just in. I'm not a female. Uh, however, if I were a female, I'd be pretty ticked off. And I was a, if I were a female that played sports... I would be very, very angry. Why? Look, just look it up, folks. Look it up. The Biden administration is an essentially okay with transgender men competing against women in female sports. They're trying to codify it into law. They're trying to do executive orders on this, the whole nine yards. President Trump the other day at CPAC said, please, give me a break. Here's what he said. 
Joe Biden and the Democrats are even pushing policies that would destroy women's sports. A lot of new records are being broken in women's sports. Hate to say that, ladies, but got a lot of new records. They're being shattered. You know, for years, the weightlifting, every ounce is like a big deal for many years. All of a sudden, somebody comes along and beats it by a hundred pounds. Boom, boom. Now, young girls and women are incensed that they are now being forced to compete against those who are biological males. It's not good for women. It's not good for women's sports, which worked so long and so hard to get to where they are. The records that stood for years, even decades, are now being smashed with ease. Smashed. If this is not changed, women's sports, as we know it, will die. They'll end. It'll end. He's 100% right. And by the way, how many times has he been right where he's predicted something comes, comes true in the future? Uh, look, uh, if you've got a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, 14-year-old, whatever it happens to be, and they're competing really hard, then all of a sudden, a transgender man comes along and, oh, by the way, is a bit stronger and maybe a bit, whatever it is, faster, whatever it happens to be. It's not fair. That's why they have Title IX. That's why there's female sports, and wait for it, male sports, folks. And you know what? That reminds me. Let me think. Do we have a Bible? Madison, do we have a Bible anywhere? We have a Bible in the office somewhere. Uh, hey, Marriage, according to God, between a man and a woman. There's supposed to be two genders. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with God. The first Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head were Adam and Eve. I'm just letting you know. Is that in the Bible, Potato Head in Genesis? What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey, welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. I just like saying my name. Hey, you know another name I like to say? Uh, Sophie Mann. <laughs> Sophie Mann. Ready for this? Host of Just the News AM. What? Indeed, I know. What a world. What a shift. What a shift. Uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. And I understand your first show at 9 a.m. Eastern time across the country was today. Indeed, that is true. My first show was today. Really? It went swimmingly, not as swimmingly as your, even your worst show goes. Okay. I would go so far as to say. So but let me just get this straight. Your best show... Well, never mind. I can't figure it out. <laughs> Look, okay. we, we're, we can only trend up from here. But you know what? It was a great show. Good. Who did you have on? We had great guests. We had uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. That's a big guest. Coming right, indeed it was, coming right off of CPAC, yeah. here to tell us that, you know, he is all in for Trump 2024. That's who he wants to see leading the party. And sort of just to give us a little bit of a sense mm -hmm. of what the vibe down in Orlando was. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously we had uh, our RAV crew covering everything that was going on down there, but it was cool to hear from the congressman and nice. a slew of other great guests. Yeah, and he was actually called out, not called out, but like... Like Trump said something to Jordan there in the crowd. Yeah. He was like, Jim, AOC, and they went yeah. into his like his wrestling record or something. They're like buddies. That. They're close friends, it seems, on like a real personal level. Yeah, so what can we expect from the show? I mean, you're gonna have obviously guests. Mm -hmm. You'll be on the show. I will. Both of those things are true. That's good. And, and what are you hoping to do with the show? I mean, you wanna, you know, I mean you're not gonna do cooking segments or anything. Well, 
Only because I can't cook. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, or, or, or not that I would demonstrate publicly. Right, okay. Uh, we're hoping to, you know, bring you, it's it's how we want you to start your morning. We want you to start with us. Yeah. We're going to give you a news rundown of the day. Sometimes we're going to do special episodes that have a specific and more central focus. Mm-hmm. Right now, I mean, we're focused on bringing you a lot of what's going on in, mm-hmm. in the swamp day to day. So we have, you know, the massive COVID stimulus bill and debates surrounding that package. And we want to keep everybody updated on that. Uh, we have nominations that are still being shuttled through. Obviously, we have the future of the Republican Party to think about and discuss. A lot of stuff going on. And you know what? Uh, can I can I give you a compliment? Oh, please. Okay. <laughs> I'm giving you a compliment on air. Uh, what I like is you're not just like uh, an anchor. You know, like I'm just an anchor, right? You know, like I just, you know, I'm just like anchor, like I don't know. I'm just. I'm I think fine. you're selling yourself short. Yeah, but but you. I mean, justthenews.com. You're you're doing articles. You're talking to folks. I mean, some serious stuff here. Yeah. So there will be reporting that we uh, are seeking to, to highlight, and uh, you know, we hope that you guys remain interested and uh, tune in and watch us every morning, right before you. Of course, right. just the news AM. Right. And then stick around for another seven hours yes. after that. Okay. <laughs> You'll T- want to. <laughs> Tomorrow, Tommy Lahren, David Bossy, Brendan Daly, Nathan Gonzalez, my mother. No, my mother's not on. See you tomorrow.